0: Hi everyone, I'm Dr. Wendy Myers. Welcome to the Myers Detox Podcast. and I'm the founder of Myersdetox.com. You can go there and sign up for my newsletter. We, I give you all the latest tips and tricks and health hacks on how to detox your body and dramatically improve your life. And that's what this podcast is all about. And uh, today we have Michael Rubin on the show. He's a mold medic, and we're going to be talking about how to remediate your home a lot of the, uh, you know, talking about mold removal versus mold remediation, the difference between mold and mildew. Uh, We talk about the problems with testing, uh, the problems with doctors, uh, you know, figuring out if mold is at the source of your symptoms and your health issues, what mold illness looks like. Uh, We talk a lot about, you know, the, the environment that fosters mold growth and some simple tips that you can use in your home to prevent mold growth as well. So lots of really good education, so fantastic show. And uh, Michael Rubin, he's an air quality expert who helps bridge the gap between the air in our homes and its direct impact on our health. And Rubino has worked with over 100 doctors globally to not only raise awareness, but to also provide solutions to correctly identify and remove the pollutants causing this global health crisis that we found ourselves in. And as president of uh, allamericanrestoration.com, Rubino specializes in working with people who are immunocompromised or have acute and sustained reactions to mold exposure. And he's helped heal over 1,000 families from mold illness, including celebrities and athletes. Uh, He's also a council uh, certified mold remediator by IICRC and ACAC and is a contributing member, sponsor, and speaker for the Indoor Air Quality Association. He's also the author of The Mold Medic and a contributor to Mind, Body, Green. He's also been featured on the Gwyneth Paltrow's The Goop Podcast and Goop's website, and uh, Brandy Glanville's Unfiltered Podcast, Luke Story, Forbes, USA Today, and uh, many others, just name a few. He also hosts YouTube series Mold Talks, uh, where guests include uh, medical experts as well as mold recovery patients. And you can also learn more about Michael and his work at themoldmedic.com. Michael, thanks so much for coming on the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: So tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into like becoming an expert on mold.
1: Yeah, good question. So my dad is a a contractor himself been a contractor since I'm five. So I'm technically a second generation restoration contractor. Um, And really, I think when I really got interested in this whole thing was after Hurricane Sandy hit the Northeast, um, originally from the New Jersey, New York area. And uh, when I started really seeing people impacted by this on a larger scale, um, I started seeing patterns of people getting ill. Um, in their own homes. And that's kind of when I started to build a passion around this, um, because I realized that there were a lot of missing links within the remediation industry that was just missing the mark entirely from a scientific perspective, which obviously led to this health decline that I was seeing. So that's when I really started to kind of become passionate about it, really dive in, try to figure things out um, and and created new processes around what, what, what we're doing in people's homes.
0: Okay. Great. And so, so what is kind of the most common problem that you see in people's homes? Like what type of mold and, and how are you detecting this?
1: So some of the biggest issues that we see are, are ketomium is a specific type of mold. Uh, it's a toxigenic mold produces mycotoxins. Same thing with stachybotrys. I think that's the the one mold that everyone tends to know. It's the toxic black mold that you hear Ooh, about. Black mold.
0: Uh,
1: yeah. You have aspergillus, which is an interesting one because it's typically lighter in color and people often mistake it for mildew. Um, Then you have penicillium, which is, you know, typically identified grouped together with aspergillus. Uh, You also have cladosporium as something that I see pretty prevalent in people's homes. Um, I'm sure I'm missing a few, but those are are pretty much the the big ones that we see time and time again um, that can severely impact people's health.
0: Okay, great. And, and what is the difference between mildew and mold?
1: So really there is none. Um, you know, I'll kind of tell you how the term mildew came about. Mildew came about off of a term called powdery mildew, which is a fungus that grows on a plant. Um, if you dive into what powdery mildew is, it's a fungus from the Ascomycotic kingdom. And so um, mildew is is basically a mold from the Ascomycota kingdom. What's interesting about that is Aspergillus is also from the Ascomycota kingdom. And so what I think happens is people misconfuse the term mildew um, as this term meaning, you know, oh, it's not mold yet. It's this mildew thing. But the reality of it is when you're looking at mildew in your home, it's typically just mold.
0: Yeah. And so when people have like mold illness, so they're, they're dealing with mycotoxins and, and, you know, which is kind of the, the toxins that are put off by mold. Um, what are some of the symptoms that they're having and, and what kind of like health consequences can that have?
1: It's different for everybody. Uh, I think we kind of learned with COVID, you know, different people react differently to different things. Right. So when it comes down to mold exposure, we see things like brain fog, uh, chronic fatigue, uh, skin hives, rashes, eczema. Uh, we see hormone disruption, infertility. Um, we've had clients that have had, uh, you know, uh, coincidental miscarriages after being exposed to mold. So um, there's also studies talking about autism and the effects that autism has on mold. We also know that people that have Lyme disease and other autoimmune disorders and co-infections get severely impacted by mold. Um, in, in general, it's kind of hard to heal no matter what ailment you have when you're constantly dealing with exposure.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's just, the, that could be anything. I mean, the, the, the symptoms you could describe and, And I'm sure people are going to their doctor and the last thing that they're uncovering is mold. That's after they've probably been through years of testing and different doctors and the revolving door uh, that many people go through to finally get the correct diagnosis.
1: Yeah, literally the last thing, uh, if if at all. I mean, it's, it's really sad in that sense because for so many people, when I'm talking to them, they've been struggling for years. And they've had this health decline. They had no idea what was going on. They run all these tests, go to all these different doctors. The doctors are saying everything looks normal. I have no idea what's wrong with you. And, you know, finally they find somebody who says, Hey, you should probably check your home. This sounds kind of odd. They check their home and they find, you know, high levels of mold, high levels of bacteria, uh, all from these water damage events. Um, most of which were hidden that they had no idea. There were no signs of it. And so, you know, it takes scientifically figuring out what's going on inside the environment, how to fix it, and then go from there. But what's interesting is we honestly don't know enough about this stuff. I mean, there's there's really not, there's, there's uh, 200 studies about it, but... There's nothing that, that's really concrete yet. Um, I think we're at the infancy of this thing. When I look at this, I have no idea how it impacts otherwise healthy individuals. And I, I can use myself kind of as that story point because myself, I don't have Lyme disease. I don't have autoimmune disease. I don't have any co-infections that I'm aware of anyway. And when I you know, have been in, in this industry for so long, I would say that it was about a 10-year slow health decline to where all of a sudden, no matter what I'm eating, I'm gaining weight, um, I'm not sleeping as well, I don't have as much energy. And so, you know, when I look back, I just used to say, well, I'm getting older, you know, uh, my body's changing, These, this is normal, I'm a dad now, right? These are all the things that I told myself. But the reality of it is when I started detoxing and I started going through the same protocols that, that many do, all of a sudden I'm able to lose 30 pounds, I'm sleeping better. I have more energy. Uh, You know, I I feel the way I probably should feel. And so when I look at this, I I really have to say that um, this is going to be very interesting over the next few years as we continue to study this and see really what the impacts are. I think they're probably a lot greater than we currently know
0: about. Yeah. And so I've heard that some of the testing for mold, like even though people like call a mold remediation specialist, Uh, that the the person coming to their home may not be doing the right tests or not being able Mm -hmm. to find out what's actually going on because there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of complexity and, and we're in our infancy. There's, there's, I I think the the detection of mold could could certainly be much better.
1: Oh yeah. So the, the, the unfortunate part about it is the standards are not so standardized. Um, What we have is we have people that go into people's homes and, they just want to do air testing or they just want to do visual inspections. Uh, it's, it's like going to a doctor and saying, I don't feel well. And the doctor's like, cool, we're going to check your vitamin D levels. I mean, there's so many other things to check for. And there's so many technologies available now to identify mold exposures, bacterial exposures inside people's homes. And I think that we really need to modernize things because um, a lot of the, the practices out in the field are very antiquated. Um, there's a, a test that I'm developing called the dust test and what's interesting about this and why I think that people listening will, will, will like this is because we actually wanna take the process and reverse it. Right now you call an inspector, they come in, they do some samples, maybe they test the dust for, for certain toxins, molds and bacteria, et cetera. But by that point, you, by the time you get the results, you're, they're already long gone. And if they didn't do a good job with the source testing or, or maybe there were some things that they just couldn't physically see, you may miss certain sources. And if you miss certain sources, I don't care if you have the best remediator on the planet, they're not gonna be able to remediate your home successfully. And you'll likely still feel like there's mold there or bacteria there when they're gone and done. So what's nice about starting with the dust first is it tells you what's in your environment. You'll be able to, to actually speciate which species are elevated. Then you give that to your inspection company. You say, find where these are coming from, right? Because you have sources creating these particles, creating these toxins. Let's find the source of where that's happening. Then you have a good remediation plan. Now you can hire a remediator who can remediate properly. And then you want to clean the home thereafter, because here's the other big mistake in remediation. They're cleaning up maybe the sources, but they're leaving all the particles and toxins in your home for you to keep being exposed to. And so that's another big reason remediations fail, or people don't feel well after remediation, or even feel worse after remediation, because they say they've exacerbated this, they've, you know, moved things around and they didn't clean it up. So it's really important to kind of look at this scientifically and say, how do we get the how do we identify what I'm being exposed to? How do we then identify where it's coming from and eradicate that? And then let's remove the particles and the toxins that have been created as long as those sources have been there.
0: Yeah, and what, in your estimation, is like the the percentage of homes that have mold? Because I assume it's going to be really, really high, uh, given the you know the age of most homes, given the fact that you know most people live in a human environments so at least yeah. part of the the time in this the south you know, the majority of time, you know, you put a piece of bread in wet bread in a plastic bag, it's probably going to grow mold, you know, if the conditions are there. So what are your thoughts on that?
1: Well, uh, we'll start with a study. So based on the largest home study ever done in 1994 by John Spangler, he found that 50% of homes had water damage, like visible water damage. 80% of those homes had visible signs of mold growth. So that's visible. Like a lot of the problems are are what we can't see. So I've been in homes where you had no visible signs of water damage, no visible signs of mold growth, but yet when you analyze the labs of what's there, you're picking it up and you're picking up good amounts of it. So what's really interesting is I think that number is much higher. Um, I don't have an exact figure. If you wanted me to speculate, I'd say 75 to 80% of the homes have water damage issues. Um, out there, and I think that it's it's like finding a needle in a haystack currently to find a home that doesn't have issues. Um, even new construction homes have mold problems and bacteria problems, just the way in which we're building them. We're not very mindful of these things. There's not one builder in the United States that's required. To understand mold and bacteria as part of the process we probably should look at that by the way because i think if we can start stop the problem from occurring it's going to take education
0: yeah i mean certainly building the drywall uh probably doesn't help <laughs> you know because it's, it's yeah. just uh, so prone to to mold growth especially when it's used in bathrooms and kitchens totally but, yeah and so, uh, so if someone's buying a home, is it necessary to do? I mean, obviously, it's, do you recommend doing a mold inspection as well as a regular house inspection?
1: Well, so put it this way: a home inspection course, it's it's I think it's three hundred and some pages. There's only one or two pages dedicated to mold, so it's it's not a large part of the home inspection process. Um, I would I would expect that unless the home inspection service company is also a mold specialist, the odds are. That they're going to miss things when it comes to mold and bacteria and water damage in our homes and so if you're someone who is really concerned about this which i think we all need to be more concerned so we can have air quality as a bigger part of our health program here um, i think that you know you're going to want to probably get a mold inspection in tandem with the home inspection because it's going to give you the data especially because most home inspectors if they're looking at mold, they're looking at it visually. They're not going to do testing typically. So uh, I think it's really important to, to do the test. One of the best things that I think you can do um, for a home is, is testing the dust, looking at like an ERMI, uh, utilizing MSQ PCR technology to identify what's there is a good way to start because if you start seeing that specific species that are highly elevated, odds are there's a source somewhere producing those particles. That can kind of give you a clue as to you know should I buy this home? At the end of the day, you know it's kind of like picking your poison. You know we we talked earlier about eighty percent of homes probably have water damage. Um, we know that for sure, fifty percent based on the study in nineteen ninety four. So that gives you more of a crapshoot in finding something that doesn't. So it's it's more of picking your battle and choosing your battle, knowing that if this is something that is important to you, you'll likely have to make some sort of improvement to the home. Uh, finding these issues and fixing them before you move into them is probably a smart way to look at it.
0: Yeah. And I, I've heard that, you know, when people do mold remediation, that that doesn't completely solve the problem because you have the spores and you have the dust and that's all over your your bed and your clothing, and all over your furniture. And is that true that you just have to throw everything out and start fresh after you do a mold remediation or you move from a moldy home to a new home?
1: You know, there's a lot of variables in that question because obviously everybody's built differently. Some people are going to be more sensitive than others. Um, everyone has a different emotional state, meaning that, you know, sometimes this can be such a traumatic experience. That you're always going to be wondering if your stuff is contaminated or not, and and for, you know for your mental health sanity at that point, you're better off starting over. Um, in terms of how we can do deal with this scientifically, there are solutions out there now that can help with some porous items, um, you know, and that's anything that fits into a washing machine that can be treated with something like borax or EC three laundry additive, as an example. Um, but When it comes to non-porous items like glass, metal, plastic, all of those can be safely uh, removed from and decontaminated from mold and mycotoxins, bacteria, et cetera. So you have a lot of options. What I typically tell people is start by doing everything that you can, cleaning everything you can, finding the sources is the most important part because without that, they're gonna continuously create these particles and toxins. Um, You know, you're never gonna get to a net zero. We're not looking at, you know, mold-free homes. We're just looking to remove the abundancy. And right now that's typically the biggest problem is we have so many different sources in our home, whether we, from when we own the home, we thought we fixed it properly, but we didn't, or maybe the, the previous homeowners, you know, thought they did a good job fixing things, but they didn't. And so typically we have, you know, several different sources. Most of the homes that I visit have like 10 to 15 different sources so it's a lot to tackle at once. So what I always say is look at it from a scientific perspective. Let's, ta- let's, let's tackle the areas creating the most impact negatively, of course. Start there. Let's clean the place up, clean your belongings and see how you feel. And, you know, there, there's different levels to this. So if you need to go further, you can go further. But you when know, we're seeing a good response of people who are taking this step-by-step approach um, they're, they're feeling better. They're getting these wins and they're kind of making a decision on their own of how to move forward from there. Um, so I, I think that's kind of the way in which I like to look at it because I don't want people so overwhelmed that they think that if they don't throw everything out and burn the house down, they can never move
0: on. Yeah. Cause that just doesn't seem realistic uh, for, sure. for most people to just like throw everything out and start over. Um, and, right. and especially given the fact that I've heard from some mold experts that uh, or, you know, uh, a couple of people that even, um, like a new home, even after a couple of years, it can begin growing mold. So it's, you know, some people sure. that are really sensitive to mold or say, oh, I have to move to a brand new place, brand new construction. Um, but even after a couple of years, you can, because of the construction quality and you no know, mindfulness to making it less, you know, mold prone, uh, people can just have the same problem all over again
1: you're totally right you know it's we have to kind of reframe the way we think about this instead of running from mold it's best to confront and tackle it and make the improvements that we need individually to feel better and to create a healthier environment because yes where are you going to go right new homes can have mold even if they don't have mold in a few years there's likely to have a leak it's really about educating yourself understanding the science behind this and knowing how to take action when you need to take action. Because like I said, there's, there's most part of our ecosystem. There's really no running from it, but you can. And the nice thing about this is you can create a healthier environment. You can make it more difficult for mold to grow inside your home. And we do that with things like the humidification systems by doing annual inspections, making sure our doors, windows, roofs, et cetera, are in good shape. They're not leaking. Uh, and you know, things that have, uh, subgrade spaces like crawl spaces, basements, things like that, improving them, waterproofing technologies, uh, dehumidification systems, et cetera, we can control it. And if you can control it, that's how you win against it, right? Because if you take away its ability to grow and it needs moisture and a food source, uh, then again, it doesn't have any ability to grow. And so now the spores and the toxins are not accumulating in your environment because they're not actively growing and reproducing.
0: Yeah. And given all this, what you you've talked about, what are some simple steps that people can take to prevent mold growth in their home?
1: Yeah. So like I said, inspections are are one thing, um, but I want to, I want to harp the importance of cleaning routine cleaning you know, a lot of people don't realize that there's a lot more to our dust than we think. And we're not just talking about dust mites. We're talking about mold. We're talking about bacteria, viruses, you name it. Um, everything in our, our environment, everything that's in our bodies, uh, it, de- it does settle out in our dust. Um, so I think that cleaning and removing dust regularly is a really good way to keep your environment clean and, and free of these environmental pathogens. I think if we do that, um, that's gonna be something that's gonna make a big difference. Um, and, I, and I mean like cleaning, not just kind of swishing a mop around on the floor. I mean, really removing the particles. Um, and even once a month, making sure we're cleaning things that we never clean, like the top of our kitchen cabinets as a, as a good example. Uh, on top of that, we have to pay more attention to our HVAC systems. So our HVAC systems are a big problem. And the reason being is because they have an evaporator coil that essentially condensates all the time, providing a nice wet environment for mold and bacteria to thrive on. And so one of the biggest challenges with HVAC systems is our HVAC filtration. Most of us, if you went over to your HVAC machine right now, you probably don't have a great filter in place. Um, You likely just got a standard one at Home Depot or Lowe's or something like that, um, that can't remove as small of a particle as mold from getting to your unit. So what that means is molds bypassing these filters, they're getting to the coil and it's providing them an opportunity to grow and coil, uh, grow and colonize on the coil. And when it does that, it basically turns the HVAC system into a giant mold factory because the HVAC is like the lungs of our home. So I think if we are more aware of that and we put better filters, there's great technology out there to be able to stop these smaller particles from getting to our units. If we do that, we're also going to see massive differences.
0: Yeah. I know that one of my old home, I would just turn on the, the heater and you could just smell the mold coming out of it. It was, yeah. It's a hundred year old home as well. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's definitely the HVAC system was uh, wanting <laughs> begging <laughs> for begging for improvement. Um, yeah. but I think that's the case with a lot of people. They're just not, uh, they're just not thinking about the, the simple things. Um, and I think it's also really important for people that are, have chronic fatigue or that they are ill and they can't really figure out the source of their health issues. You, you, know, you really need to be looking at mold, uh, where you're living and, and what you can at least move to maybe a, a, even a drier environment, uh, drier humidity, drier climate, like the desert, um, to, to help see if perhaps, you know, mold is, is one of your issues. It's, you know, promoting your illness.
1: Yeah, that's, it's, it's very true. And if you, you know, if you must live in a humid climate like me, I love Florida. That's where I'm located. I just know that if I'm in a humid climate, it's really important to make sure that I have good windows, that the windows are properly sealed, trying to keep that moisture out, um, that the HVAC is running properly, it's properly filtered and we have dehumidifiers, right? So we control that environment. Mold can start to grow in as as little as 60% relative humidity or more. So keeping it below 60% is gonna be a successful action in making sure your home is not conducive for mold growth. So, you know, if you live in a drier climate, there's challenges there too. I've seen people make the opposite mistake where they're adding too much humidity because it's so dry. They want to have that comfortability and they're adding humidifiers all over their home and creating so much humidity that there's literally water dripping off the walls. So it's, it's, you know, it's comfortability is one thing that we're always looking for, no matter where we are, just make sure that you're mindful about humidity and moisture in your home. And I think you'll be in good shape.
0: You know, given that there's really little to no regulation as far as, you know, mold remediation standards nationwide, um, is there anything that, that we can do uh, about, you know, making changes for future generations and the, the way we build homes?
1: Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, there's I'm writing an entire book about how to do just that. And, um, you know, it starts with a educating our builders like no one should be building homes in America or, or the world for that matter if they don't understand microbiology and I'm not talking about you know scientific level microbiology but just the basic understanding of how how mold and bacteria get in our homes um, how important it is to dry our homes when we're introducing building materials into the homes and just making sure there's a basic understanding of how to prevent these types of situations from happening. That's gonna go a long way. Right now there is none of that. Um, There's uh, obviously the, the medical community um, has been amazing over the last 10 years and all the research that has been doing um, really making sure that air quality is a little more well known than it has been, but that's just the tip of the iceberg. I mean, if you go to your primary care physician, odds are, I would say that they're probably not going to think of mold when you talk about any ailments that you have that could be related to it. So I think, you know, more needs to be done there with mold being updated in the medical institutions, Obviously insurance companies need to make some changes because there's a lot of limitations on on with mold regarding your, your home insurance. So when you have a claim and stuff like that, there's typically limitations to how much can go towards mold remediation. That all needs to change. Uh, the government uh, is another thing. Their mold is not classified as a health hazard in any state across the country. I know Australia, I don't know if people have seen the news in Australia, but the medical community in Australia is pushing for uh, updates to mold being a health hazard in Australia. So, you know, the world is paying attention. Things are are definitely changing in the right direction. Um, It doesn't move as quickly as we probably would all like, but the reality of the situation is there's some simple changes we can make and, and really just really simple and not very costly either. And if we make these simple changes, we can really impact so many people that are suffering.
0: And so tell us about your, your website and, and what people can expect when they go there. What kind of services do you offer, et cetera?
1: Yeah, so the, the main website for me is themoldmedic.com uh, off of the book. Uh, on there, you can find more information about me, um, what I'm doing to help people and uh, it, book consultations and things like that. Uh, for our service, if you wanna actually have your house remediated and you're kind of ready to take on that project, allamericanrestoration.com is a great resource for you. It has tons of information on how to do it. And it is a service we offer for those in need.
0: Yeah. And tell us about your books that you've written as well.
1: So the, the book that I wrote is called the mold medic an experts guide on mold removal. Um, and it's basically kind of a, it starts off talking about the industry as a whole and gives it a good example of why things need to change. Um, and then dives into you know, how do I remediate my home, why, why I want to look at remediation the way I look at remediation, um, how to find a good inspector, the different testing technologies available, all the different molds that typically inhabit people's homes and what they mean, what they do, the different impacts. We talk about mycotoxins, et cetera. Um, it's really a guidebook for those who are just starting out. Um, maybe they think they have mold, they're not entirely sure, or maybe they know they have mold, but they have no idea where to go from there. This book will help with with just that.
0: Okay, fantastic. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, is there anything else that maybe we've left out of the conversation that you wanted to communicate to the listeners?
1: One last point is we take over 20,000 breaths per day. So I want people to leave with that. It's, it's an enormous number. Um, it's something that we do. Do not pay enough attention to it's one of the biggest ways that we're exposed as human beings uh, to everything out there in the world so i think it's really important that we pay more attention to that and it's not just testing the air i know that makes logical sense but remembering that what's in our dust gets into our bodies and so we want to make sure we're looking at a full picture when we're looking at our home and that full picture is going to be more successful when we're trying to fix it. So I leave you with that, you know, thank you so much for having me on the show and hopefully people listening have learned a lot.
0: Yeah, that totally makes sense for sure. And so Michael, thanks so much for coming on the show. And, you know, I, I just thank everyone for tuning in every week and listening to the Meyer She Talks podcast. I love having all these world experts come on the show to help educate you to upgrade your life because you deserve to feel good. And I want to help you get to the source of why you may not be feeling as well as you deserve. So thanks for tuning in. I'm I'm Dr. Wendy Myers at myersdetox.com and I'll talk to you guys next week. The Myers Detox podcast is created and hosted by Wendy Myers. This podcast is for information purposes only statements and views expressed on this podcast are not medical advice.